Section 2 of Natural Theology by William Paley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 2. State of the Argument Continued. Suppose, in the next place, that the person who found the watch should after some time discover that, in addition to all the properties which he had hitherto observed in it, it possessed the unexpected property of producing, in the course of its movement, another watch like itself, the thing is conceivable, that it contained within it a mechanism, a system of parts, a mould, for instance, or a complex adjustment of laths, files, and other tools, evidently and separately calculated for this purpose. Let us inquire what effect ought such a discovery to have upon his former conclusion. 1. The first effect would be to increase his admiration of the contrivance, and his conviction of the consummate skill of the contriver. Whether he regarded the object of the contrivance, the distinct apparatus, the intricate yet in many parts intelligible mechanism by which it was carried on, he would perceive in this new observation nothing but an additional reason for doing what he had already done, for referring the construction of the watch to design and to supreme art. If that construction without this property, or, which is the same thing, before this property had been noticed, proved intention and art to have been employed about it, Still more strong would the proof appear when he came to the knowledge of this further property, the crown and perfection of all the rest. 2. He would reflect that, though the watch before him were, in some sense, the maker of the watch, which was fabricated in the course of its movements, yet it was in a very different sense from that in which a carpenter, for instance, is the maker of a chair, the author of its contrivance, the cause of the relation of its parts to their use. With respect to these, the first watch was no cause at all to the second. In no such sense as this was it the author of the constitution and order, either of the parts which the new watch contained, or of the parts by the aid and instrumentality of which it was produced. We might possibly say, but with great latitude of expression, that a stream of water ground corn, but no latitude of expression would allow us to say, no stretch of conjecture could lead us to think, that the stream of water built the mill, though it were too ancient for us to know who the builder was. What the stream of water does in the affair is neither more nor less than this. By the application of an unintelligent impulse to a mechanism previously arranged, arranged independently of it, and arranged by intelligence, an effect is produced, viz. the corn is ground. But the effect results from the arrangement. The force of the stream cannot be said to be the cause or author of the effect, still less of the arrangement understanding and plan in the formation of the mill were not the less necessary for any share which the water has in grinding the corn. Yet is this share the same as that which the watch would have contributed to the production of the new watch upon the supposition assumed in the last section. Therefore, 3. Though it be now no longer probable that the individual watch, which our observer had found, was made immediately by the hand of an artificer, Yet doth not this alteration in any way affect the inference that an artificer had been originally employed and concerned in the production. The argument from design remains as it was. Marks of design and contrivance are no more accounted for now than they were before. In the same thing, we may ask for the cause of different properties. We may ask for the cause of the color of a body, of its hardness, of its heat. And these causes may be all different. We are now asking for the cause of that subserviency to an use, that relation to an end, which we have remarked in the watch before us. No answer is given to this question by telling us that a preceding watch produced it. There cannot be design without a designer, contrivance without a contriver, 
order without choice, arrangement without anything capable of arranging, subserviency and relation to a purpose without that which could intend a purpose, means suitable to an end and executing their office in accomplishing that end, without the end ever having been contemplated or the means accommodated to it. Arrangement, disposition of parts, subserviency of means to an end, relation of instruments to an use, imply the presence of intelligence and mind. No one, therefore, can rationally believe that the insensible inanimate watch, from which the watch before us issued, was the proper cause of the mechanism we so much admire in it, could be truly said to have constructed the instrument, disposed its parts, assigned their office, determined their order, action, and mutual dependency, combined their several motions into one result, and that also a result connected with the utilities of other beings. All these properties, therefore, are as much unaccounted for as they were before. 4. Nor is anything gained by running the difficulty further back, i.e., by supposing the watch before us to have been produced by another watch, that from a former, and so on indefinitely. Our going back ever so far brings us no nearer to the least degree of satisfaction upon the subject. Contrivance is still unaccounted for. We still want a contriver. A designing mind is neither supplied by this supposition, nor dispensed with. If the difficulty were diminished the further we went back, by going back indefinitely we might exhaust it. And this is the only case to which this sort of reasoning applies. Where there is a tendency, or, as we increase the number of terms, a continual approach towards a limit, there, by supposing the number of terms to be what is called infinite, we may conceive the limit to be attained. But where there is no such tendency or approach, nothing is effected by lengthening the series. There is no difference as to the point in question, whatever there may be as to many points, between one series and another, between a series which is finite and a series which is infinite. A chain composed of an infinite number of links can no more support itself than a chain composed of a finite number of links. And of this we are assured, though we never can have tried the experiment, because, by increasing the number of links, from ten, for instance, to a hundred, from a hundred to a thousand, etc., we make not the smallest approach, we observe not the smallest tendency towards self-support. There is no difference in this respect, yet there may be a great difference in several respects, between a chain of a greater or less length, between one chain and another, between one that is finite and one that is infinite. This very much resembles the case before us. The machine, which we are inspecting, demonstrates by its construction, contrivance and design. Contrivance must have had a contriver, design a designer, whether the machine immediately proceeded from another machine or not. That circumstance alters not the case. That other machine may, in like manner, have proceeded from a former machine, nor does that alter the case. Contrivance must have had a contriver. That former one from one preceding it, no alteration still, a contriver is still necessary. No tendency is perceived, no approach towards a diminution of this necessity. It is the same with any and every succession of these machines, a succession of ten, of a hundred, of a thousand, with one series as with another, a series which is finite as with a series which is infinite. In whatever other respects they may differ, in this they do not. In all equally, contrivance and design are unaccounted for. The question is not simply, how came the first watch into existence? which question it may be pretended is done away by supposing the series of watches thus produced from one another to have been infinite, and consequently to have had no such first, for which it was necessary to provide a cause. 
This, perhaps, would have been nearly the state of the question, if nothing had been before us but an unorganized, unmechanized substance, without mark or indication of contrivance. It might be difficult to show that such substance could not have existed from eternity, either in succession, if it were possible, which I think it is not, for unorganized bodies to spring from one another, or by individual perpetuity. But that is not the question now. To suppose it to be so is to suppose that it made no difference whether we had found a watch or a stone. As it is, the metaphysics of that question have no place, for in the watch which we are examining are seen contrivance, design, an end, a purpose, means for the end, adaptation to the purpose. And the question, which irresistibly presses upon our thoughts, is, whence this contrivance and design? The thing required is the intending mind, the adapting hand, the intelligence by which that hand was directed. This question, this demand, is not shaken off by increasing a number or succession of substances destitute of these properties, nor the more by increasing that number to infinity. If it be said that, upon the supposition of one watch being produced from another in the course of that other's movements, and by means of the mechanism within it, we have a cause for the watch in my hand, viz. the watch from which it proceeded, I deny that for the design, the contrivance, the suitableness of means to an end, the adaptation of instruments to an use, all which we discovered in the watch, we have any cause whatever. It is in vain, therefore, to assign a series of such causes, or to allege that a series may be carried back to infinity. For I do not admit that we have any cause at all of the phenomena, still less any series of causes, either finite or infinite. Here is contrivance, but no contriver. Proofs of design, but no designer. 5. Our observer would further also reflect that the maker of the watch before him was, in truth and reality, the maker of every watch produced from it, there being no difference, except that the latter manifests a more exquisite skill, between the making of another watch with his own hands by the mediation of files, laths, chisels, etc., and the disposing, fixing, and inserting of these instruments, or of others equivalent to them, in the body of the watch already made in such a manner as to form a new watch in the course of the movements which he had given to the old one. It is only working by one set of tools instead of another. The conclusion which the first examination of the watch, of its works, construction, and movement suggested, was that it must have had, for the cause and author of that construction, an artificer, who understood its mechanism and designed its use. This conclusion is invincible. A second examination presents us with a new discovery. The watch is found in the course of its movements to produce another watch similar to itself, and not only so, but we perceive in it a system of organization separately calculated for that purpose. What effect would this discovery have, or ought it to have, upon our former inference? What, as hath already been said, but to increase beyond measure our admiration of the skill which had been employed in the formation of such a machine? Or shall it, instead of this, all at once turn us round to an opposite conclusion, viz., that no art or skill whatever has been concerned in the business, although all other evidences of art and skill remain as they were, and this last and supreme piece of art be now added to the rest? Can this be maintained without absurdity? Yet this is atheism. End of section 2